Are you frustrated because things aren't changing or breaking for you no matter how hard you try? There's a spiritual reason for this. But victory isn't hopeless. It just takes a different approach than the one most people use. So get ready to discover the way that works. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil, creator of that Shut Up Devil app. I'm all about shutting down the lies and the struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life, and I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience. I'd love for you to join me and the others live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org live. Okay, believe it or not, Confession time. There was a time when I tried one of those fad diets. I won't name which one. I was in my mid-twenties. I was a few years out of college. It was back in the days before calorie counts were printed next to items on menus. So honestly, for all those years, I had no clue how many calories I consumed each time I made dinner out of a half dozen warm original glazed donuts. What I did eventually get clued into was that I was a bit pudgier in the cheeks than I preferred, so I knew it was time to take some action. This would have been in the first century or the first decade of this century, like early 2000s, first 10 years of that or so. Some of you might recall there were a plethora of fad diets back then that promised quick results, but they were very restrictive usually. And of course, in my mid-twenties, do you think that I consulted a nutritionist for this? No. I just selected the one that promised the quickest results, and off I went to do my best to stay away from everything it said not to eat. No more fried chicken. No more pizza. No more burgers. No more garlic. Garlic, cheddar, cheddar, garlic, however you say it, biscuits, and I love me some biscuits. No more glazed donuts. To be fair to the program, the goal wasn't to restrict what you could eat just for a few months, but it tried to instill a restrained lifestyle to keep the weight off. And these kind of programs do work to get the weight off quickly. That's why people still do them. Why, that's why the weight loss industry rakes in 70 billion per year. They have results. And though I didn't have all that much to lose, I noticed the results in just a few weeks. But I also noticed that the more that I watched what I ate, the more I wanted to eat, the more I craved until I caved and had it. All of it. So admittedly, not long after the 90 days, it didn't take long, I regained what I worked so hard to lose. That's the dirty little secret that the weight loss machine doesn't want people to know. Studies show that the more restrictive a diet, the more it tends to backfire in the long run. Like research shows that 95% of people who lose weight on a restrictive diet regain it all and then usually more in just one to five years. So if, if you're shaking your head because you know what I'm talking about, I have good news, kind of. It's not your fault, at least probably not. Diets like these fail because of how you are designed. 
Ah, you like this message now, right? I'm taking the blame off you. Well, first, as I've taught before, humans are first and foremost designed for rest, not pressure. That's because we were made for Eden. And Eden in Hebrew means God's delight. We were made for God's delight, to live in a place of rest and no pressure. That's a separate message. Check out my message titled The Divine Design for more on that. But the point is, because we aren't designed to operate under pressure for long, diets like these, which are built on pressure, put the body into survival mode, which often triggers things that are counterproductive to your goals. So in terms of a restrictive diet, it actually makes you crave more. The more you starve yourself, the body begins to believe it needs to eat for survival. And so the cravings kick in, the temptations kick in, and your body adjusts to store fat. But there's another reason that diets that put so much emphasis on what not to eat don't work. And that's because of how the brain is wired to attend to what is on the mind. Some call this the power of suggestion. The Bible mentioned it first. Proverbs 4.23 says that your thoughts direct your actions. You end up doing what you think about. That's why my stint with that fad diet failed. I was constantly thinking about all the foods it said not to have. It said no carbs, so I thought of cheesy bread and sugar-coated bread. It said no fried food, so I thought of french fries and mozzarella sticks and toasted ravioli. If I'm making you salivate, sorry, but that's the power of this principle at work. And it's been a factor in our eating since the beginning. It's what the enemy used to convince Adam and Eve to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He kept bringing the fruit to their attention, putting it in front of their eyes, telling them just how good it would be until they gave in. Here's the point. The more you try not to do something, the more likely it is that you will do it. That is the core of how we are designed, which is why this affects far more than diets. In fact, anything based solely on don'ts is doomed for failure. I think of a program I had to participate, maybe some of you had to as well, or you had kids in it maybe. In junior high, I went through it. It's called the D.A.R.E. program. Anybody remember that? It was an anti-drug program that stands for Drug Abuse Resistance Education. D.A.R.E. Every week for like a few months or so. Police officers would come in and basically try to scare us from wanting to touch drugs or alcohol. So they showed us car wrecks and did reenactments and showed us photos of what we shall not touch. You see where this is headed? The program failed miserably across the nation. Research found that the anti-drug emphasis did not make kids less likely to become an addict, but actually caused more kids to be interested in the drugs and alcohol. Ay ay ay. So today, D.A.R.E. has been retooled into a positive choice program that has pretty good results. But why did nobody think to question its methods for so long? 
I suspect it's because we are used to controlling behavior through lists of don'ts. It even seems godly too, right? Most of us were raised with the Ten Commandments. That's a God-given list of don'ts, right? In my upbringing, I had to memorize the commandments before I could even read, I think. And our church school tested us on them frequently and stressed them as the way to judge your life and devotion to God. As a kid, I kind of thought it as the determination of whether I would get coal or gifts in my stocking at Christmas. (laughs) The denomination I was raised in practice regular confession of sin before a priest. And these commandments then were often used to help know what to confess. And definitely as a kid they helped. I remember more than one occasion I faced the priest nervously with a blank stare. I knew I committed at least one sin in the two months since my last confession. But for the life of me, as a third grader, I couldn't remember what it was. So the priest would suggest that I recall the Ten Commandments. And I went through them, and the third one usually got me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Guilty often. Honor your father and mother. Guilty often. Thou shalt not lie. Guilty. It all came back to me quickly when I was recalling the commandments. Anyway, I don't mean to pick on the Ten Commandments, so please, you can put your stones down. They are just the most universal set of don'ts to reference. Almost everybody knows of them, even unchurched people, if from nothing else than all the political fights to keep them posted in government institutions. But what most people don't know about the Ten Commandments is that they are only the first ten of a larger set of 613 laws given to Israel by God through Moses as a kind of code of ethics and conduct. Now, God had good reason to give these to the people, which I'll show you in a few minutes. The problem is, humans have a knack for making more out of something than is intended. And people did this with the commandments. Religious leaders believe that if laws were the way to godliness, then more laws must be the way to more godliness. So interpretations of interpretations of those 613 do's and don'ts turned into thousands of human-made requirements that only bound the people with fear and condemnation. Look at Matthew 11:28. Jesus says, "Come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest." Jesus was speaking here to people who were burdened with nothing but rules. Which he told the people a little bit earlier in Matthew 5.17 that he came to fulfill. He said he came to fulfill the law of Moses in order that they would have real peace and freedom. So hear me. Jesus came to provide a means of peace and godliness that no rule following could ever produce. That is the gospel message. Even some 2,000 years after his death and resurrection, I continue to see people baited into the Christian life with a promise of freedom only to be handed a new set of don'ts necessary to maintain their faith. 
Now, sure, we don't do animal sacrifices anymore, thankfully. And most people don't have a problem wearing clothes made from linen and wool. Yet many of us still pick and choose some of the less radical rules by which we judge ourselves and others. I did. As a newly born-again Christian, tattoos were certainly off-limits. I could not even be in the presence of alcohol. And now, that's fine. You might have a personal conviction for any number of reasons to stay away from things like that. And that's okay. But I judge people's Christianity by it, including mine. I also judge my godliness by otherwise healthy spiritual disciplines like the amount that I fasted and read my Bible and attended church. Like the religious leaders in Jesus' day, I erred on the side that more is better and makes God happier. Better safe than sorry, I believed. Except that belief caused me to live sorry, never feeling safe, which only made me worse, never better. I'm sure that you can name items off of your own what it takes to be a real Christian list or a list that somebody gave you. Some people are judged according to the way they pray. Others by their political ideologies. Others have been made to feel less than because they send their kids to a public school. As I said last week, I heard one lady who told me her church dictated that women may only wear pink or white fingernail polish. She struggled so much with the temptation to wear blue. From both society and religion, we are programmed with rules from the moment we leave the womb, and we end up kind of liking them because they provide a kind of safety that takes the guesswork out of how to live and please God. But as we know, in societies and governments, safety always comes at the expense of freedom and abundant life. So sure, like diets and anti-drug programs, Strict adherence to restrictions can provide quick results that offer a sense of comfort in the short term. They can make you feel really successful for a while until you inevitably miss the mark and then feel really lousy. Then, the guilt of failure compounded with the pressure to perform makes the one who lives by the letter of the law more susceptible to failure, not less. And that is precisely why the Apostle Paul warned, look at this in Galatians 3 verse 10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. That's a bold verse. After all, isn't God the one who gave the rules in the first place? Why would he say that it's a curse to depend upon rules that he gave? And for that matter, if he designed us so that don'ts don't work to achieve success, then why did he lay down the law in the first place? Why was he setting us up for failure? Well, he had a few good reasons that actually all lead back to where he wanted us in the beginning, like back to Eden 
back to how it was before sin, back to his delight. The first reason is pretty simple. People did not yet have a standard of right and wrong. Not before the commandments. So they did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And they started to compare themselves to each other. For example, think about Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel. Cain killed his younger brother Abel. The Lord didn't send Cain away with a list of rules as a punishment. He actually sent him away from those who might want to harm him, and God put a supernatural mark on him to protect him from harm. Like I said, that's not punishment. That's grace. God protected him after he murdered. But people began to think, if so-and-so got away with murder or whatever, so can I. So, God laid down the law, so to speak, spelling out sin in no uncertain terms. And Galatians 3.19 puts it this way. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. So it was to show them right and wrong. Also, as we all know from contemporary culture, subjective truth plunges a society into chaos. It doesn't take all that long for a society that has no absolutes to destroy itself. It took about 1,600 years after Adam and Eve's first sin for what the Bible says was unrestrained wickedness to take over culture and the people's minds. It says evil consumed their minds. Now, God sought to cleanse the world of this depravity by beginning again with a handful of better behaved people. That's the story of Noah's flood. But in time, even good people make bad choices. And after Noah, sin once again got out of control. So God also set his commandments in stone as a merciful way to restrain sin. The rules kept people from destroying themselves and risking eternal separation from God until Jesus arrived to deal with sin once and for all. Ultimately, though, God established the law to show people that they can't save themselves through their own actions. You see, because of the way that we are designed, God knew that the more that people are told what not to do, the more they do it. He also knew that pressure to perform only leads to failure. As the Apostle Paul said in a verse I quote so much lately, 1 Corinthians 15.56, law increases sin. Rules were never meant as a way to achieve success. They were designed for failure. They were meant to both expose human imperfection so that people would stop their self-righteousness, and they were meant to produce more and more and more failure until people got frustrated and fed up and realized, I can't do this on my own. Sadly, not everyone back then got it, and not everyone gets it today. Yet nothing is better than law 
at getting people to arrive at this realization. It brought me to it. Maybe you're there too. Strict, constant rule following should lead to exhaustion and frustration because that is God's design. All so that you will surrender the pursuit of perfection to find lifelong rest in Jesus, your Savior, who restores you back to the center of God's delight, back to Eden. I told you it all leads back there, where we were designed to live in the first place. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying this is justification to throw caution to the wind and do whatever you like. I'm not talking about lawlessness. God set boundaries and outlined the way that he intends for things to be and work most effectively. Many headaches and body aches can be prevented by following God's designs of being honest and treating people right and eating healthy. There are some things it's wise to avoid, of course. And anything goes lifestyle is a sure way to bondage, not victory. But the way to victory is also not as it's often prescribed to many Christians today. You will not grow and thrive in an environment where meticulous adherence to rules is the means to prove or achieve anything. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, If the old way, which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? Did you hear that? The old way was the way of law, which brought condemnation. That's what it was designed to do, so that it would lead us to a Savior. But what is the new way? Well, it's the way of the Savior. It's a way in which grace rules Instead, Romans 5.21, Paul says, So just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life. The new way that Paul talks about is a way paved by Jesus in which imperfections, flaws, and failures don't count you out of God's affection, his promises, or his family. The new way is a life secured by the gospel truth that you have permission to be a work in progress, which is permission to be imperfect. That kind of freedom fosters a pressure-free environment, which produces far more victory than being obsessively careful about what not to do. You know, I talked about diets at the beginning of this message. And surprise, surprise, this spiritual principle is reflected in the natural, too. While, yes, consuming less calories is crucial to weight loss, no doubt about it, studies show that a permission-based approach works best. And that's actually the words of some nutritionists, a permission-based approach works best, not a restriction-based approach. So I'm not prescribing a diet to you. Obviously, I'm not a nutritionist here. But nutritionists find that plans that teach a healthy mindset of 
pleasurable eating, which includes the foods you love, or what lasts in the long term. It might not be as quick, but it will last. So the point is, success, victory, happens when the pressure to be perfect is removed. Now, speaking of following a way, I briefly mentioned this in last week's message. But to teach anyone to maneuver quickly around obstacles, like pilots, skiers, even drivers, and if you're learning to play a video game where you're hopping over a bunch of things, it is taught, don't focus on the obstacles, otherwise you will hit what you focus on. Instead, focus on the open path in front of you. Look at the trees, you're going to hit the trees. Look at the telephone poles, you're going to hit the telephone poles. Look at the birds, you're going to hit the birds. You look at that monster in your video game too much, you're going to run right into that monster. Look where you want to go, not at what you want to avoid. That's the wisdom. And I'd say, for all the reasons that we just explored in this message, that ought to be taught as Christianity 101. Rather than live concentrated on what not to do, focus on the way of grace that is before you, which is a way lined with unconditional love. It's a pressure-free way. And that, then, is the path of lasting, real, authentic, sure victory. Now, next week, we'll explore the first step to this. And that is to see God as He really is. A lot of us, and I was one of them for a long time, I thought I knew God's true character. I had no clue. We're going to look at that next week, so plan to tune in. It's going to be revealing and healing for you, I think. Okay. For now, know that willpower doesn't work. Try harder is a lie that only leads to failure. But that's not the only lie that leads to failure. There are at least ten more that are likely behind your struggles. And I expose these in my new book, Shut Up Devil, Silencing the Ten Lies Behind Every Battle You Face. This book is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook wherever books are sold, or I'll send you a signed copy if you order on my website at kylewinkler.org shutupdevil. In the book, I reveal the sneaky way the enemy enters your mind and then the sure way for you to kick him out. Then we use that way to shut down the ten lies that are at the root of your battles. So again, order your signed copy of Shut Up Devil at kylewinkler.org slash shutupdevil or you can get it paperback, ebook, audiobook, wherever books are sold. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and He is for you, and we're here for you too every week on my website 
at kylewinkler.org on our podcast and wherever you get your social media. And don't forget, wherever you're watching or listening, to tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.